Well, as you can see, Preben is not here this morning. He's actually uh, in New Mexico uh, preaching at a church that he had lined up uh, quite a while ago. And so um, you have me, all right, today. So, wow. Hey. A reverse offering at the doors today, all right? So you will, you will be paid for that. Thank you very much. Let's just pray and go home because you may not clap. You know, I get a lot of ribbing when I, um, when I speak because sometimes I tend to go a little bit long. And I want you to know that I have taken every precaution today to make sure it doesn't happen again. I have, I have brought earplugs. So I put the earplugs in when you rib me for going long. So I, I've, I've, I've done what it, what needs to take place. Um, so I'm excited. I always get excited to open up God's word. And uh, this morning, I'm doing something that I've not done in 25 years. 25 years ago, all right, I went to a church in uh, just south of where I was serving uh, in Mississippi. It was First Baptist Church of Hernando, Mississippi, all right? And my friend, uh, Ron Leonard, had asked me to, to lead a student weekend. So I was speaking at the student weekend and leading worship. And he said, hey, why don't you lead worship and speak on our Sunday, in our Sunday morning service? And so I did that. And after I was done, I said, I will never, ever do that again. And over 25 years, I've questioned, I wonder why that felt so weird. Why did I not want to do that? And then now I'm standing here going, oh, yeah, that's why. So much, so much uh, focus goes into the two hours before you even get here. And then um, to be standing here today, um, it's, it's tough. It's a challenge, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I tell you, I always speak, all right, whether it's to the worship ministry, uh, to our church, to other places, I always speak out of what God's doing in my heart. And the passage that he's laid on my heart today in Matthew 11 is something that's very near and dear to me. And it's probably a, a challenge that I have. And I, I assume that since I am challenged by this, that maybe you are as well. Or maybe I'm the only one today and I'll be speaking to myself. All right, and that's fine. That is fine. But so if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Matthew 11, we're actually going to be at the very end of this chapter, but I want to kind of give you a little context of what's going on. All right, what's happened to this point? All right, lots has happened. A lot has happened. All right, in Matthew 11, right from the very beginning, we see Jesus already reassuring the disciples of John the Baptist's identity. All right, so we have that happening at the beginning. Then, Jesus rebukes several cities, and I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, if you go into the first part of chapter 11, you start reading about this and what he's saying, you will find a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities. The week that we've had as a nation, just the last few days, and seeing um, just how split and divided this country is, as if we didn't know that already, but it seems to be things happen that, that, the, uh, that the microscope just brings it out. All right, but here, early on in this passage, Jesus is comparing these cities where he's gone in and he has done miracles. He's comparing them to Sodom and Gomorrah. He's, he's saying they're worse off because they saw what he was doing. They saw what he could do and they still chose to not follow him. Crazy, crazy. 
after that, he rejoices, and this is what Betsy uh, read, read earlier, Jesus rejoices in his father's wisdom, in that he doesn't reveal these things, is what he says, all of his plan, how to come to know him, all that he does not reveal those to the, what the world considers as wise, but he reveals them to Christ-like children, the people that, that, that just follow and act on faith. Finally, right before, in verse 27, he reveals that he is the only way to the Father. Basically saying that the Son and the Father are one and the same. Those are important things to remember as we get to verses 28 through 30. All right, so read these verses with me. They're on the screen. You read them um, there in your uh, Bibles as well. You see it on the screen. Listen to these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How much time do we spend asking each other if we're tired? Are you tired? I'm tired. You tired? Yeah, I'm tired too. How much sleep did you get last night? Yeah, I got less than that. Like you're better. <laughs> I, have a, I, I, I have a book that I just picked up. Jerry Seinfeld is one of the great theologians of today. And... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I, th- I, thought, I thought that was the case. He uh, has a new book where he takes some of the things that he's been talking about um, on his stand-up or maybe some things that, that found their way on a napkin onto the floor and he's made them into this book. And I found a, a little snippet and it says this. He says, there's quite a few ads for sleep aids on TV. Ambien, Lunesta, people floating through dreamscapes in their kitchen, hanging out with hedgehogs and Lincoln. Hey, you don't think there's any possible connection between all of us drinking these giant, insane coffees all day long and then suddenly finding that you need a horse sedative to get your eyelids out of your skull. He's deep. He's deep. Jerry Seinfeld is deep. Let me tell you something. Today, we're going to talk about rest. All right, and I know some of you that know me very well are looking up here saying, this is gonna be hypocritical because you don't know how to rest. You do not know how to slow down. You don't, and, and I have to admit, you are 100% correct. All right, it's, I'm constantly going and, and constantly doing stuff and they get upset with me when I speak because I move around this stage a lot more and I apologize and I can't help that. It's a disease. And so when we get to this passage, all right, my question for you this morning is, are you tired? The demands that this life puts on us and asks of us get burdensome, and they're burdensome for anyone. Relationships, work, purpose, finances, unforeseen circumstances, health issues all seem to bombard us, even spiritually. As a result, our souls, our minds, our spirits can just feel as pressured as our physical bodies. Now, when we get tired, we tend to go and lean on a few things. We'll, we'll try to get more sleep. 
Maybe some of us might work out more. Maybe some of us will take time off or, or turn to our hobbies or, or listen to music. Or maybe some of us even turn to things that maybe aren't so healthy like television and uh, eating excessively or drinking excessively or pills or, or anything else that you can fill in the blank. We try to find rest for our physical bodies. But I'm here to tell you this morning, what we're talking about in verses 28 through 30 is not physical rest. What we're talking about today is rest for our soul. None of the things that I just mentioned give you soul rest. You need soul rest far more than you need physical rest. You need release from worry, tension, stress, guilt, fear, anxiety. That is soul rest. And as much sleep as you can get, It's not going to take that away. You need soul rest. The problem is the soul isn't rested by the same thing the physical body is. So so your soul rest, sleep does not help that. All right? I want you to to go with me for a second. We're going to take a little inventory. Before we do, um, we, I always said we would never own a dog. um, And I put my foot down and I was successful for many years. Uh, until about a year and a half ago when everyone else in the house got their way and we even um, adopted a girl dog. And so it's a house full of girls. Uh, we have a girl dog. And one of the things that she loves to do, she's not like your normal dog. She doesn't bark a lot. She doesn't chew on a lot of things. But she does like to chew on one thing, and that is our clothes. And specifically after we've worn them. All right? So... When we're taking a shower, we either have to throw them into the bathtub or we have to get them high off because while we're taking a shower, she comes in with a fork and a knife and she just goes to town in all of our clothes. And so this morning, I was getting ready and I was shaving and I realized that a lot of our clothes, and I'm, I'm telling the truth, Donna, a lot of the clothes that we hang out in in our house look horrible. Because we keep wearing them. We keep wearing them. But you know what? We've gotten so used to it. I was, I was shaving this morning and this whole area of this, one of my favorite shirts is missing. Like it's, and I, and I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, how did this happen? Like, how did it get to this? Jen will fall asleep on the couch. The dog will go to town on her pajamas. And I love to just sit and watch it. It's pretty cool. And she just, it chows on, and she's got this big, but, it, but it's her favorite pajamas. So what are you going to do with it, you know? And so if you were to line our family up and take a picture of us in our lounging clothes, we look like we've come from a war-torn country of some kind with, with just rags. But how did we get there? Maybe you're not tired this morning. Maybe, maybe you don't think you are, and maybe you don't think you need soul rest, but maybe, just maybe today, this might reveal something where you go, wait, how did I get to this point? I want to look at six things right here, just real quickly. This is an inventory for you, all right? Look at your life and think, do I experience physical fatigue? All right. Now, physical and spiritual fatigue can be two different things. But when we're tired in our souls, we're mostly also tired physically. All right. The body, soul, and spirit are so intertwined that when you're tired in one way, you're tired in another. Second thing, do you have a lost hunger for God's word? We just sang those words. Did you sit there and sing those? Do you even remember singing those words that said, I am yours, hungry for your truth? Do you truly hunger? 
for what God has for you in his word. The third thing, do you have feelings of being far from God? We go through those times where we feel like God is so far away, but guess what? It's not him. He's right here. It's us that have strayed away. Fourth thing, no desire to serve others. It's hard to serve others when we feel like God hasn't taken care of our own spiritual needs. Serving others always works best out of an overflow of the heart. Maybe you suffer from, suffer from entitlement. Spiritual deprivation can sometimes cause the spiritually exhausted to seek nothing else but our own satisfaction. We become entitled. Or maybe the last one, feelings of uncertainty. Hopelessness is not just the absence of hope, but also the absence of a good amount of rest for the soul. So as you look through these six things, do you think possibly you're tired? Do you think possibly you need soul rest? We come into this place this morning, and God wants us to be honest. I want us all to be honest. I want to be honest. We come weary, burdened, just by living in this broken world. We come in need of rest that we can't give ourselves. We come without anything in our hands to offer but need. We need him to convert our longing into reality. We need him to transform our sorrow into joy. We need him to remove the guilt of sin by his blood. And lastly, we need to give him to give us new life for those of us barely hanging on. The good news is you can find this in these verses. And we're going to look at these three verses right now. All right. The very first thing that we see when we get to verse 28 is we see an invitation. Okay. There are three parts to this. There's an invitation coming from Jesus himself. And he says these three words. He says, come to me. All right. Verse 27, he said that he's the same as God. All right. He's saying that, that, that I am God. He who has seen the father, seen the son, he who sees the son, has seen the father. Uh, we are one in the same. And so when you get this invitation, all right, come to me. You're getting this invitation from me, capital M, Jesus, God. God himself, the creator of all the universe and all that we see and enjoy, is inviting you. All right, so remember that first of all. This come, this word come right here, is a present tense command. All right, so Jesus is not saying come tomorrow or or come soon sooner than later no he's saying today leave your self-reliant efforts today leave your sins today leave your burdens this is come all right you remember the one who said that well i I can't i've got all these things to to attest or uh, attend to and and he's like no no no. you you've got to leave all that behind to follow me jesus is making that invitation to us today to come today and it's also not just a command. This tense is also an exclamation. As if Jesus is standing over there trying to get our attention. Hey, look over here. Look over here. Come to me. Wherever you are, come to me. He isn't hard to find. He's made himself available. He wants to get our attention because he, who he is, 
is the very thing that we need most. Here's the problem, though. We read that. Come to me and we think, Jesus, you, you, I know I hear that. I know I'm supposed to, but you, you couldn't possibly want, want me the way I am. Look at me. Well, he has an answer for that, and it comes in the very next statement. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. If you need a translation for the word all, I found one. It's all y'all. See? Oh, that's what we need. We need a little bit more definition. All y'all, all of us, all right? No cultural limits, no national limits, no sin limits. There's nothing that you've done that, 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 that takes you out of the running for this, all right? All who are weary and burdened. He could have gone to powerful. He could have gone to the impressive people. He could be the people that we think as a world um, just, just look so much better than us and seem to live better than us, but he didn't. He came for the weary and the burdened. Well, there's got to be some kind of prerequisite. I, need to, I must have to meet some type of, 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 of list of, of demands. Yeah. There's two, weary and burdened. He goes to the very people he has to call out for their attention because they're so busy and so preoccupied and so distracted that they're missing out on what they really need. That's you, that's me, that's us. Here's the truth about this. You want to start making all these things up that Jesus needs you to be clean. Here's the truth. The needier that you are, the more perfect you are for Jesus. All right? The needier you are, the more perfect you are for Jesus. So if you're exhausted from working only to fall again and again, you're invited to Jesus. If you are exhausted from obeying only to find yourself overwhelmed by your sin, You're invited to Jesus today. If you feel the heaviness in your heart that you want to be free of from sin, sorrow, anxiety, remorse, memories, uncertainties, whatever, you are invited to Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. The only qualification is you are weary and burdened. He goes on. This is still part of the invitation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So here's a very important thing, right? The way that he shares this, the way that he says this, is in a way that only God can offer rest. In fact, it points back to several times in the Old Testament where God made statements through the prophets of how he was going to bring rest. All right. In Jeremiah 31, it says, uh, I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. So Jesus, by stating this right here in this passage, he's stating I'm the God of Jeremiah. I'm the God of the Old Testament. I'm the God who promised rest. And is now here to fulfill it. And he's not asking any of us to deserve it at any point. Back when we accepted Christ the first time. At the very first moment. Today. 
10 years down the road. He's not asking us to deserve it. Because you know what? It doesn't rest on anything that we can do or anything that we can say. It rests on him. It's all on who he is. This entire passage rests on who Jesus is. He just asks us to trust him and come. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Even the video before this, that's where it ended. Some of us may have this passage um, on a picture in our home. We might shoot this out in social media. Because it sounds fantastic. And it is fantastic. It's an incredible truth. It's an incredible invitation. But here's the deal. There's so much more. There's so much more. So as we turn and we move to the next part of this passage, we find after the invitation comes the journey. Because you know what? Wherever Jesus finds us, whenever he finds us, he doesn't leave us the same way that he found us. So here's the best part of this passage. And this is what spoke to me the most, all right? There's an invitation from the God of the universe to come to me. Any of you that meet this prerequisite, you are weary or burdened and I will give you rest. And here's how I'm going to do it. Take my yoke upon you. What? 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 If you're not familiar with what a yoke is, all right, so I haven't seen one lately. In the year, in the days of John Deere, I don't really see a lot of yokes, but back in the day, all right, a yoke was this wooden piece, it was a frame that came over two animals, all right, most likely an ox, but it came over these two animals and it, and it went around their neck and they used them to carry out a common task, all right, maybe to, to plow a field or to, to pull something that was very heavy. Now, listen, last week, <clears throat> I shared a lot of bad dad jokes. And I'm telling you what, I sat here and I was like, there's so many I could say about the word yoke. Oh, I could tell them the yokes on them and all this stuff. Oh, I could, it could be so funny. But guess what? I decided to steer clear of those. <laughs> yes. See, I wrote, I wrote a note down that I shouldn't share that this early, but you got it. So I should, I'm going to go ahead and keep that, all right? The rest of you will get it next week. So it'll be awesome. So you have this frame, okay, that goes over. So here's the problem. You just told me you're going to give me rest, and now you're going to lay this big, heavy piece of wood on me? How does that work? If you look at our lives, though, today, there's no such thing as a yokeless life. All of us are yoked to something. We're joined to something. And it's whatever you are yoked to that defines kind of the direction of where you're going. All right? Here's what you want to see, though, in this passage. All right? Notice this. Take my yoke. Now, John 16. In this world, you will have trouble. We're reminded it's not easy. And even a life following Jesus still has a yoke. There's work. But his yoke is different. It's not like the yoke of the Pharisees who added all these rules. And the burden of religion itself was so heavy on these people. It's not the yoke of the world that demands constant change and evolution in the way that we think. 
It's his yoke. It's his yoke. So why does Jesus use the symbol of the yoke? This is very interesting because a yoke symbolizes two things. It symbolizes a partnership. There are two working on it, not just one. He doesn't add to your load. He doesn't say, here, what you've got in your burdens, you're weary and burdened. Oh, here's wood. Here, I'm going to throw this on your back. Here's something else you've got to carry and, and live by. He doesn't do that. He shares the load. He says, go shoulder to shoulder with me, work with me, and I will be your partner and will carry a part of your load. Psalm 55 in the message, I love the way sometimes the message spells it clear. It says, pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He'll carry your load and he'll help you out. If you're overloaded, overstressed, burdened down this morning, it's because maybe you're not yoked to Christ at this very moment. That partnership. And that's important, first and foremost. Second thing, the yoke is a symbol of control, okay? So when the oxen are yoked, all right, together, they're controlled by the master, all right? So when you're under the yoke of Christ, you're under the control of God. And just what a weight that is. I mean, you might be, you think of the, the yoke as being this heavy burden, but no, it, it's light because, because he's in control and you don't have to sit there and try to do everything yourself. You've given up that control and he sets the direction. He sets the pace. Jesus said, Matthew 16, anyone that intends to come to me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am, he says. So what about you and I? Who's setting the pace? Whose agenda are we following today? Who's charting the course of the direction of our life? The yoke is a partnership. It's control. But here's the best part. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Biblical times, you may have a more experienced, stronger ox on one side, and then you would yoke that ox to a new ox, a younger one, maybe smaller. And the whole purpose in that was that that younger one would learn how to be controlled, how to be shown what direction. Soon, you would find that that untrained ox yoked to that older one and more experienced one would learn the pace, how to follow the direction of the master. And so when we are yoked to Christ, we get one huge bonus, his teaching. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You're yoked to me. Learn from me. The word learn This is the verb form where we get the word disciple. It means to learn by inquiry, but also by use and practice. To acquire the habit of, to be accustomed to. This verb is a continuous present tense. All right? English teachers? Anybody? No? No? Good, because maybe it's incorrect what I said, but I'm pretty sure it is. It's a continuous present tense. What that means is it's not just right now. It describes the process 
of learning, the process of discipling, the process of the journey in growth and Christ-like change, all right? So when he's saying, take my yoke and learn from me, it's not just, I'm going to dump all this information on you that you're required to know and to keep. No, what I want you to do is I want you to take this information and we're going to walk together and it's going to be one long journey of discipleship. Now this whole passage takes on a whole new light. Jesus will call us to work. Even after he just said, I'll give you rest. He calls on us to work. He'll call us to do difficult things, even to suffer for him. But isn't working with Christ, even in suffering, better by far than living without him? Take my yoke. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. There are two great causes for overload in our life. Do you know what those are? They're aggression and arrogance. These are important. Aggression, we get in a hurry. We don't want to wait. We don't want to pause. We don't want to delay. We don't want to consider. We want it now. All my Amazon Prime members out there, I'll check that box. If I can't get it tomorrow... I'm going to keep looking. I may spend two days looking for it, but I'm going to find something that will get it to me tomorrow. I want to be assertive. We jump into things and get way overcommitted. So now this is the point where I'm really preaching to a mirror, all right? Aggression. Do you know what the opposite of aggression is? Gentleness. How about arrogance? Ego is, po- is responsible for a lot of stress, a lot more than we want to give it credit for. We, tr- we can say, I can handle this. We try to do it all. We try to have it all. We try to be it all and please everyone. Ego and arrogance are why we try to control everything because we think we know better than everybody else. Some of us do. But dare I say, sometimes we think we know better than God. And it's funny because the opposite of humble or lowly is arrogance. Aggressiveness, arrogance. Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble. If you were to describe somebody to someone who doesn't know Jesus, um, what the heart of Jesus is like, you would say, what would you say? Charles Spurgeon says that this is the only spot in the Gospels where Jesus describes who, what his heart's like. He says, I am gentle and humble, not harsh and reactionary, not easily put out, frustrated, not ready to strike you down. And here's the best part in this learning journey, in this process. He's not put off by your, need, your neediness. In fact, he Loves it. We can think of ourselves too good for Jesus, but we can never be too bad for him and in need of him. He thrives on it. We're made to be with God. He shows us how to live. He carries the load, but he still deploys us on a mission. That's discipleship. He sends us out into the fields ripe for harvest to do his work in his world. So he had an invitation. Come to me. We have a journey 
of discipleship. And finally, we see his promise. After all these things, he says, and you will find rest for your souls. This rest is the rest after the rest. All right? It's the rest after the rest. First time was immediate. All right? The first time was given. That rest was given. I will give you rest. This second one is discovered along the way. So as you are part of this discipling relationship, it'll be a part all along the way. You'll find this rest. First is instant relief. The second one is a lifelong journey. It's the rest of a disciple. It's not physical rest. There's still a yoke. Remember, there is still learning involved. It demands something from us, but what he offers is the soul rest that we need. Maybe today, maybe you have memories from your past that keep rising up and the enemy still reminds you of those. Maybe you have regrets that don't or won't fade away. Maybe you have wounds that time won't heal. Maybe you're saying, I can't live with myself after what I've done. You have no idea. Maybe you're saying, I can't forget the pain of what happened in the past. Can't turn off the anxiety of another uncertain day. Listen, we need eternal rest, peace of heart, clear conscience, removal of guilt when you are ashamed to disappear. And you know what? Jesus, through his life, death, resurrection, offers it all. His salvation is total and complete right now. You know, in Jeremiah 31, God says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So why do we, if we've gone to God and we've laid it at his feet and said, please do something with this, my anxiety, my fears, my worry, um, my past, my sins, why do we keep bringing them up when God says, I'm not holding on to them. I'm not holding them over your head. His promise is, enter this discipling relationship with me And you'll find lifelong soul rest. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Jesus' yoke is easy. It doesn't mean it's without effort. We've talked about that. It means it's to furnish what is needed. It's good for its intended use. Jesus' yoke is well-fitting. One more interesting thing about the yoke. All right, when an ox is brought in, they'll take a lot of measurements, all right? And they take this yoke and they will rough out the spot for that, to place that on the ox. You're all looking at me like, I, knew, I know you grew up in Chicago. You don't even know what the, you're talking about today. <laughs> you're correct. But I watched YouTube, all right? And I know... What I'm talking about, all right? So there is a yoke and, they, and they, they rough it out. You know what? They bring that ox back in, they place it on there. And you know what? Then they start to, to make it a little more well-fitting because they don't want it to be coarse and to chafe 
this ox. They want it to be well fit and it's tailor made for that ox. Here's the deal. Jesus says my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Do you see the kindness of Jesus in that the yoke that he's placing on you and the responsibilities that he's giving you and the offer of a life of discipleship alongside him is tailor-made for you? It fits. It's not a burden. It's easy. It's light. The burden of following Jesus is light when compared to the burden of disobedience. His yoke is light because of who he is. Here's the final amazing thing. There's straps that attach that yoke back to whatever they're pulling. If you're that young ox that they're trying to train, they're called traces. Again, YouTube, watch it. They're traces, and those traces, they're not attached to that one. They're attached to the stronger ox. Put yourself under his leading. Join yourself yoked to Jesus. The difference is he's your yoke mate. And that's how he gives you rest. Do you remember when you might have been assigned um, a partner in a project at school? Maybe you had the same thoughts I did when you got partnered with somebody you didn't quite choose. And you're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to do all the work in this relationship. If you didn't experience that, your partner may have experienced that. And they may be the ones (laughs) that were saying that about you. But I thought, I'm going to carry this whole load. Oh my goodness. This is going to be torture. Listen, when we're yoked to Jesus, he doesn't mangle us. He's gentle. He knows our frame. He's walked where we walk. He's done everything. He's been tempted by what we were tempted with, and he lived a perfect life. So he knows. He knows the path. He'll teach us. We call ourselves disciples, but if we're in this relationship, how many of us give our lives to Christ, all right? We come to him, that's the easy part, that's what's on my wall at home, he's going to give me rest. But as soon as he tries to slip that tailor-made yoke on top of me, I step back, I'm like, whoa, work? I'm uncomfortable with that. We refuse to trust his gentleness, his humility, when it's designed perfectly for us. To make us just like Jesus. It's tailor-made. Invitation. The journey. And the promise make this passage such a great, great foundational truth in his word. So where do you find your rest today? Are you finding that you're yoked to Jesus? Listen, if Christ's cross wasn't at the center of history, he couldn't offer rest. But he offered rest then, he offers it now. Because the wrath of God owed by us Our sin has been fully satisfied in Christ.
Not only that, Zephaniah 3 says, The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He'll take great delight in you. He'll quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Just think of that imagery as he gives us the soul rest that we long for. When you come to Jesus, this is the best part. You are free from the past. You are free from the present. You will be free in the future. You have rest for your soul. And he is not saying life won't be hard. There's still a cross to be carried. There'll be trials. There'll be battles to fight. There'll be hardships to bear. There's suffering to endure. Jesus doesn't discount any of that. What he's saying is that the comforts of the gospel far outweigh all of them. When we come to him, we come to the answer of our life's pursuit. It's him. He's our savior. He's our Lord. And he's our rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Just a different version. Listen to these words. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Are you tired? Some of you in here have spent an entire lifetime of running. And it's heavy. Some of you can't accept that God promises that he forgets the things that we've done if we've asked for his forgiveness. And it's heavy. Some of you are bogged down by a life of religious practices and rules that have been placed on you that aren't found in the word. And it's heavy. It's hard to carry all that out. Today... Jesus says, come to me. You who are weary, all of you that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Are you ready for that today? Are you ready to find rest Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you so much for the way that we can open your scripture. We see familiar words, but Father, you reveal new things in the midst of those words. I pray today for those today that fit into those two categories, which is all of us, that are weary 
and burdened. Father, I pray that we would follow you, we would take you up on that invitation today. I thank you for Jesus. Without Jesus, it's not possible. Without Jesus, we cannot stand here with the past in the past. And the future is bright and clear and beautiful as it is. So thank you for Jesus. God, I pray for those in this room that need to begin a journey with you. I pray, Lord, that they would make that step and decision today. You're calling out, look over here. Look at me. Follow me. And I'll give you rest. Many of us for years and years have walked this journey with you. But God, we've chosen to yoke ourselves to something else, someone else, some other idea. God, maybe we just need to put you back in your rightful place. Because we'll find that your burden is light and easy. God, we want to follow you. So God, speak to our hearts today. Change lives like only you can. Bring rest that only you can. And we'll give you the praise, and we do give you the praise in advance for what you're about to do right now. In breaking chains, freeing us from the things that, the, that Satan wants us to hold on to. We release them to you today, God. We love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Today we're going to sing. And in this time, I invite you. If you have not made a decision to follow Christ, that's the first invitation today. Is that you would follow him. That you would give your life, everything that you are. Place it in the hands of the one who gives that rest. Maybe you have done that already, but you know what? You haven't even begun this journey of discipleship, of being yoked to Jesus. And you want to say right now, I'm ready to do it. Make that decision. Whatever it is, maybe you just need to pray where you are here at the stage. You just need to pray, God, I need your rest that only you can provide. And I've looked in all these other places and I just can't get it. And now I realize, oh, those things don't offer that. Only you do. Whatever it is that you need to do today, do it as we worship today. Let's stand together. We sing this, we worship, and it's an invitation for you to come today.